Geometry, rewards, games, laws, and love. We got it all right here. It's the truth in Words and Music, Podcast 133. there, Tony here, and yep, you're right back with the Truth in Words and Music podcast, and this is episode 133, and I want to start right off by asking you, did you study geometry? I did in high school. I believe it was a 10th grade. I loved geometry. Do you remember? Do you remember geometry? Did you study that? And uh, if you did, maybe you remember parallel lines. You know what those are, right? The mathematical or geometrical definition of parallel lines, it goes something like this. They're lines in a plane that don't meet. That is, there are two lines in a plane that don't intersect or touch each other at any point. And uh, if they do that, they're parallel. They go side by side. And if you remember geometry in algebra, to infinity and beyond, that's a, that's a parallel line. So, um, I don't know. I remember finding that very interesting. And uh, I remember acute angles and obtuse angles, and I really enjoyed geometry. I mean, because it's chock full of logic and reason, and it can either be proved or disproved. Simple as that. Geometry isn't girded and supported by emotion. It's, uh, well, I guess that the easy way to say it is, it is what it is. Um, have you ever noticed the parallel lines of strata that you can see in places like the Grand Canyon and uh, uh, cut out places in the mountains? Uh, I live in I live in Colorado and we have the Rocky Mountains and a lot of roads have they have to cut through the mountains to uh, get the roads through and uh, you can see the sedimentary layers all across and and. Uh, the, the great thing about the sedimentary layers is they, they're all across the earth, actually. And they, they're so even. Um, you know, if those layers had been deposited slowly over millions of years, you just wouldn't see those distinct parallel lines in the sediments. Well, you may ask, well, <laughs> how do you know, Tony? Well, um, if you spend a little time, you know, observing the earth's topmost surface, if you're, if you're alive uh, for a while, and I have been, uh, what you'll discover is how quickly things erode. If sedimentary layers were deposited even over thousands of years, let alone millions of years, erosion would have just cut them out and carved them into anything but parallel lines. So it makes much more logical and reasonable sense to say the layers were deposited quickly, one right after another, one right on top of another. And uh, ironically, or coincidentally, that happens to be the biblical account of how sedimentary layers were, were formed. The, um, the Bible doesn't lay it out geometrically, but the math that you find in Genesis, in the Genesis account of the worldwide flood, I know you've heard of it, even if you're not a, a Christian or a believer, uh, Noah and the ark, that account is the only logical and reasonable explanation. Uh, very fast, uh, complete covering of the earth and the laying down of layers of sediment in even 
layers that didn't have to uh, sit there for millions of years and accumulate. Now, I'll tell you, I apologize if you're uncomfortable with how this sort of all leads to God and creation. But if you're going to be true to science, you want to go where it truly takes you, right? In this case, those parallel lines found in the Grand Canyon, they can lead you right to the way of truth. I just want to ask you, will you go? Man, I sure hope so. I want to let you know that as you go, you might want to put on some armor. Okay, that's my attempt at a segue. Staying in my usual and typical biblical theme, I want to ask you this question. Do, do these words, armor of God, does that sound scary to you? Well, those words shouldn't sound scary. They should sound incredibly reassuring. They should be the words that bring you comfort any time this mean old world dumps on your head. And it... <laughs> It does, all the time, doesn't it? I mean, in fact, I'd like to share three reasons why the armor of God should be your insurance plan. You know, there's a lot of talk about insurance nowadays, of course, and uh, so-called health care and all that. So I'm saying that the armor of God should be your insurance plan. Uh, and let me get into it. Did you know that when you buy car insurance, the price you pay is determined by your driving record? Okay, that's not hard to figure out, right? But did you know the price you pay is also determined by the insurance company's evaluation on how likely it is you'll actually file a claim? Yep, they're betting you won't. And they win the bet more times than not. If that wasn't true, they'd just go belly up. So it's like this. You're buying insurance just in case you ever need it, hoping you won't. And they're selling you insurance because they're estimating that you won't need them and they're hoping you won't. So <laughs> what a great system, right? That's, uh, that's all about cars and earthly transportation. I mean, come on. So how much more important is your life? And then how much more important is your potential eternal life? Even if you don't believe in the God of the Bible or his son Jesus or the Holy Spirit, uh, well, just humor me for a minute, okay? Pretend, pretend they do exist. And let's say that God has always existed, and he, and he actually did create the, the, uh, the earth, the solar system, the galaxy, the universe, and all life. Now, he'd have to be pretty powerful to do that. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, as long as you're pretending that he exists, right? Don't you agree that he'd have to be more powerful than everything else put together? After all, it's the old cause and effect law, right? You remember that? No effect is greater than its cause, remember? Okay, I can just hear you asking, well, what does all this have to do with insurance? Well, it's like this. A guy named Paul wrote about the whole armor of God in a, in a letter to a group of people in Ephesus. And uh, that's an ancient city in Greece on the coast of Ionia. He used, uh, Paul used metaphors and descriptive adjectives to describe uh, each piece of the armor, and he wanted the readers of his letter to know just how important the whole armor was, not merely the separate pieces. If you're a Christian, you should be able to visualize Jesus in each part. I hope you can do that. Just uh, as I describe these things, see if you can visualize your Savior. Here's the list from the top of the head to the feet. This isn't exactly in the order that Paul wrote them, but this is from the top of the head down to the feet. So at the head, you have the helmet of salvation. Next, you have the breastplate of righteousness. 
A little further down, you have the girding of the waist with truth. And then finally down to the feet, the, the, uh, it says the shoes are the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, let's go back to the helmet, the helmet of salvation. Well, what does the helmet cover? Your head. You can know you are saved. You don't have to wonder or guess. Then we have the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, the breastplate covers what? Yep, the heart. And when you let Jesus into your heart, he imparts his righteousness to you. And um, then we get down to the girding of the waist with truth. You've probably heard your waist described as your core among fitness enthusiasts, right? They talk about you got to strengthen your core. If you're, str- if you're strong at the core, you can be strong all over. So at your core, you need to have and to know truth. Jesus said he is the truth. So keep him in your core being. And finally, you cover your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, you can stand on the peace that surpasses all understanding. And you're prepared to take it with you and talk about it wherever and whenever anyone's willing to listen. Now, if you have all that working for you, the assurance of eternal life is yours. That means Jesus holds your insurance policy. And here are the three, reasons you should, uh, the three reasons you should consider the whole armor of God to be your insurance plan. One, the policy has no term limits. Okay, you got to love that. Two, the provision is life and love from God. There's nothing better than that. And three, the premium is already paid in full by that living, loving God in the form of his son, Jesus. So, what's your preference? You prefer the armor of God or that t-shirt with the name of your favorite beer on it? My recommendation, as I said, is the whole armor of God as your insurance plan. But that's not the average, normal insurance plan. This is the eternal plan. No term limits, remember? So... Uh, Sign up as soon as you can, will you? I want to talk to you about good deeds. So when you do a good deed or charitable deeds, do you want someone to reward you? You know, you want to get some reward for that? And you want to make sure everybody knows? If you answered yes to that question, who would you prefer that be the one to reward you? And what would you like as your reward? If you're a Christian... I hope you agree that it's important to know what God says about giving. You agree with that? Okay. Well, if you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, open it to Matthew 6. In verses 1 through 4, is that Jesus says you should not tell everyone when you're doing charitable deeds or what they are. In fact, he explicitly says, and this is a quote from that passage, but when you do a charitable deed... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. It was important to Jesus that his followers understood this, important enough for him to include it in his written word, the Bible. And the topic of charitable deeds was important enough to be included with a list of these other topics. If you have a New King James Version and you have the subtitles, you'll see these other topics that Jesus talked about at the same time he was talking about charitable deeds. 
And these other topics are murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, retaliation, love, prayer, fasting, wealth, and, big one here, judging. That's a pretty serious list, right? Jesus knew these were things each and every person would have to deal with in his life or her life. From one perspective or another, he knew that we'd be dealing with that. So he made sure to give us his and his father's perspective. And whose perspective has the most wisdom? Well, not ours, right? God's perspective. God's perspective has the wisdom, right? And it's in the Bible. And that's where we should seek wisdom when we're seeking wisdom, is in the Bible. Jesus wants your giving to come from your heart. He wants it to be about loving your neighbor as yourself, serving your fellow man, just plain old helping out when someone needs it. He doesn't want your giving to be about how good um, a giver you are. He knows when your focus is on what a good giver you are, your tendency is to focus on numbers and rewards, not loving your neighbor. And all you need to do is read the stories in the Bible or read the history of any country or civilization, and you'll see it always ends up that way. Well, if you're in a good financial position and you have extra to give, pass it around as much as you cheerfully can. That's awesome. But please don't do it and tell everyone you did. Don't mention it to anyone. I mean, of course you can claim it on your taxes. There's nothing wrong with that. You're just following some governmental policies, but you're not making a big deal of it. Let your giving be done in secret. And if there's any telling, let it be done by someone else. Trust that Jesus meant it and that he knew it was true when he said, God will reward you openly. It may not be until you're in heaven, but it will be. Are you giving in secret? If not, will you trust Jesus and begin to give in secret? I believe your blessings will be richer. Why do I believe that? Mm, it's in red letters. <laughs> Simple enough, right? You remember hide-and-seek, right? It's a, it's a fun game for kids. And uh, we used to play that right around dusk, the cool of the evening when the shadows fell long over the grassy yards. Now, that made it you know, just a little bit more of a challenge for the seekers to find the, the hiders. And that, of course, made it more fun. Now, I'm sharing all that with you because there are a lot of people on the planet, most people, I believe, uh, who believe God plays this game. They think if he exists at all, he's hiding in some special place where only the purest of hearts can find him. Nothing could be further from the truth. First off, there are no pure hearts in this world. Not yours, not mine, nobody's. Well, thankfully, God isn't looking for the purest hearts. As a matter of fact, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things, and who can know it? And then he answers his own question. He does. God says, you will find him when you search for me with all your heart. That's a quote. When you search for me with all your heart, we'll find him. You will find him. That's the kind of living, loving God who created you and me and everyone, and he's right where he needs to be, and he's waiting and hoping for you to seek and find him. He's made his presence known in his word, the Bible. And you can see his handiwork in all of creation. To deny his design in the complexity of life requires a leap of faith so great 
It's a chasm you're not likely to ever get back across. In fact, if you die before um, you change your mind, you won't be coming back across that chasm. But I want to ask you, why would you not want to believe and trust in the God who made the ultimate sacrifice in order for you to have eternal life? What would make you want to play hide-and-seek with your own heart? If you're struggling to grasp hold of something that won't fade and disappear, I suggest asking Jesus into your heart. You'll still be in this world with all its trials and tribulations, but you'll be eternally connected with the only one who can see you into and through forever. And he does not play hide-and-seek. So that does it for another episode of The Truth in Words and Music, podcast episode 133. And uh, as always, I want to thank you for your support. You can find me on uh, multiple different social media channels and as well as my podcast here. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you've just been listening to it and uh, found it accidentally or somebody shared it with you, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just look for my name, Tony Funderburk. And uh, you'll find me. I'm the only Tony Funderburg on there. And you can find me on YouTube with the forward slash Tony Funderburg. You can find me on Facebook with the same forward slash. You can find me on Twitter forward slash Tony underscore Funderburg. LinkedIn, you can find, um, if you just do a search for my name, you'll find me. And uh, gosh, there's uh, Google Plus. Just do a search for my name, Tony Funderburg, F-U-N-D-E-R. B-U-R-K. I guess, like I said, that does it for podcast episode 133. Uh, I'll talk to you next time. And until then, may God bless you and keep you.